Strange new world. It's incredible how in just a matter of the last few weeks, last couple of months, really, if you want to look at the bigger picture, our society has changed so much. And that effect, or, or that is affecting, I guess I should say, the farming community across the country, across the world, and yes, here in Whatcom County. Um, maybe some good things like we've talked about before on the show, we don't know, but more and more just totally level with you this morning more and more really concerning things on the horizon uh things that could happen to our farming community if this situation continues on for a long amount of time welcome back to the farming show this is dylan honkoop with you here on kgomi news talk 790 uh, hopefully you are staying healthy and safe out there gotta love local radio that's something we can still do in social distance uh, you can be as isolated as you want and still tune in into the, the radio program here and have a conversation joining me this morning as well. Uh, my colleague, well, he's my manager, really. I, you're, you're my boss, oh, yeah. I, I guess I should say. Fred Lickle. Thanks. Glad to have you. Glad to be here. Sorry, Dylan. Glad to be here. Uh, joining us in, in studio this morning here on the farming show. No, and we are socially distancing, by the way, we're, we're well over six feet apart. So don't worry about that. Um, but it is time. I think each week we've, we've been talking about the impacts on the farming community here on the show, just kind of piecemeal. And we just want to have a conversation here this morning about all the things we're hearing. It's at this point just to, to be totally transparent with you out there, it's hard to get people to come on the show and talk about it because they aren't sure what's happening. People are worried. Yes, people are seeing opportunities, but they're a little nervous to say even what's going to happen to their farm right now because they don't know. Um, and I know Fred has had a lot of conversations with different people. I've had conversations with people. So just to talk a bit this morning about what we're he hearing and fill uh, those of you in out there on what could be happening with the local farming community, Fred, all in all, there are so many unknowns at this point. And I think we should probably preface anything that we share this morning from what we're hearing that it's a lot of speculation at this point. Everything is a huge maybe right now. You're absolutely right, Dylan. You know, I was reminded, um, having a, a, a good conversation with an old friend earlier this week, that I would, he reminded me, this reminds him a lot of 9-11 mm. and some of the panic times that we had then. And it's, it's. I was remembering too, that like in a lot of the markets, the food markets that after 9-11 happened, there was a panic and things crashed. I mean, I was especially involved in dairy at that time. And for a few months there, people were really concerned about what is going to happen. Our milk prices crashed. You know, milk wasn't moving anywhere. Um, you know, all the transportation had been in essence shut, shut down. And I see a lot of that concern now too, which also actually gives me hope because it took a few months and we started yeah. to see some things turn around a little bit. And that's really what I'm hoping here because people are still producing food. People are still eating food. And we just need to work out some of these issues surrounding this nasty little virus. That's good perspective because uh, we keep talking so much about how this is unprecedented. And it is. And we don't know what's going to happen. But it's not like we've never had 
something really scary happen to our society, our markets, that ends up ultimately affecting farming here locally and elsewhere. That's absolutely correct. But that doesn't change the fact that there are tremendous uncertainties out there right now, right? And I don't think people, especially the, the larger community, really understand how much total uncertainty this creates for a farmer. That's why I'm glad we're going to be talking about that a little bit today. Um, so let's start with with dairy. Um, they get to go first. And I know I talk about dairy a lot on the program, but that's because they're still the, the biggest farming sector, if we want to call it that, here in Whatcom County um, and also very significant across Washington State. Yeah, absolutely. What are you hearing? Uh, at first it was like, well, are, you know, are the prices going down. They were starting to go down a little bit. Now people are, are suddenly very worried and we're hearing some pretty ser- scary oh, stories in the dairy yes. world. You know, the, the, keep in mind a little perspective there. There's probably four years where we had some pretty depressed milk prices where farmers lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. We lost a number of farmers here and we were finally seeing the end of that, you know, going into the second half of 2018 and especially, or excuse me, 2019. And then, mm-hmm. you know, early into 2020, we were, we were, Looking like we had some decent prices. There were even a few forward, I don't know if they said forward thinking, but folks that that decided actually to contract milk out further through the first half of this year or the second half of this year. Boy, now after the virus has hit in the last few weeks, they're they're really thankful because we've seen milk prices go down by 35 to 40%. Uh, just really strange how we're seeing on the one hand, uh, like it is in so many other things, where the, the the product is flying off the shelves in the grocery stores, and yet we and to the point where we actually see rationing. We've seen rationing in some points, like I believe of you milk. had, yeah, like you, I believe you had Chris on was that last week, I believe that Chris Stoff, yeah, that yeah. talked about um, you know being rationed at Costco or Walmart or wherever she went, and yet we also at the same time have markets that are so depressed that farmers in other parts of the country are literally dumping milk. So it, it's it's just created a really sad place for now farmers are in some of the worst place if these prices hold since since 2008 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, just really really terrible prices. Which for people not inside the the local dairy community that's 2008, 2009. Those are some years that, you know, people will mention. Those were the worst. Worst of the worst. Yeah, that was farmers were losing hundreds of thousands of dollars, some some per month. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really, really tragic time. I want to talk about this milk dumping thing because that has been on the news. And I want to talk about how that actually works, what happens there. But first, you talk about people contracting milk when the prices were a little bit higher, even just a few months ago. What, mm-hmm. what does that mean? How does that work? Well, th- there's different programs that they can use on that, and I, I know that there were, there's some government, basically insurance programs now that can be used out there, so that farmers can can pay in essence an insurance premium, and uh, you know and cover that price. Um, but there were some real uncertainties on that too. So not everybody, matter of fact, I imagine probably a big majority did not choose to do that because, like all insurance, it it was it came at a cost. And in the past, that hasn't always been a, a, a cost that has paid out, um, and it looked like the prices were heading up. Um, now, all of a sudden, we have prices crashing, and the, you know the, the ones that did did it are you know, thanking their lucky stars. Yeah, because that um, could be a gamble either way. You could lock in and then absolutely. lose out if if the price say kept going up, then they'd be singing the blues because they could have made more money for their milk, but they're sitting good now. They are. Yes. So it's, this is, yeah. When they say that farm farming is like gambling, 
right there. Uh, that's that's for sure. And as these farms get larger, as we know that they have been, just from an efficiency point of view, those are some huge, huge financial decisions that are made. Um, you know, if, if, again, if these prices hold, yep. you're going to see a lot of money being lost. And, I mean, I already heard of our first farmer who was, who just decided to call it quits. Um, from heard from him yesterday, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more. Fred Lickle is with us right now on The Farming Show. Dylan Honkoop here with you as well on KGMI News Talk 790, talking about the impacts, at least what we know, or the, even just the speculation that we're hearing around the community right now of what's happening with this virus, with the COVID-19 situation, the coronavirus, whatever your preferred name is for it. Just in terms of, of background on Fred, um, you grew up on a local dairy farm. I grew up on a local dairy farm and uh, worked as an environmental consultant for many years in the dairy community. But, you know, it's not just dairy. You know, all of yeah. them are hurting, and I know you have connections to the, yeah. you know, to the berry community, which um, has seen some interesting things yeah. happen as well. So why don't, you know. Yeah, well, I want to talk about that coming up, but yeah. I want to get back to still on, on the topic of dairy, sure. this, this milk dumping thing. How does that happen? And why does that happen? Well, if you, if you look at dairy, um, you've got... Uh, what is it, 15 to 20 percent, don't quote me on that, uh, of the product is is run to export markets, mm -hmm. which have just completely dried up. Um, some people don't realize that I believe it's 8 or 9 percent of the milk during school year goes to schools. They're all closed down. Yeah. Um, it is, and then also a lot of product goes to the food service yeah. industry. Restaurants. Know, well, restaurants, yeah. Um, all those cheeses that get, you know, that have just... Dramatic, dramatically dropped off. So yeah, folks are, it, that's why you're seeing plants who are going, literally, we have no place for this milk to go. And if the plant is full and there's no place for it to go, mm. what, you know, what's going to happen? Now, I, I understand that in, in some of those places, the plant in the short term is paying still for that milk, but how sad to see literally tankers full of milk. I saw a, a picture out of Florida with Four or five tankers lined up, and the milk is just running out into a field. How sad is that? Uh, especially how, in a time how, of, me, of need. How many? Th you talk about a tanker and multiple tankers. How? Oh. How many gallons? Like a probably six or seven thousand oh, gallons yeah, probably, per tank. Yeah, and okay. who knows how far? Many, many places that's happening. Yeah, I've I've seen it. I've heard southeast, northeast, and I saw one out of Wisconsin too. The stories out of that. So who knows how much that's happening? Have you heard any of anything like that happening here, or even rumors that it might? I have not heard of anything happening like that here yet. Um, who knows where that'll happen? Where that'll go in the in the short term? Uh, but right now, I've not heard anything, at least in Washington State, that happening yet. What about you know, we've already even before this this virus crisis hit, we've been seeing local dairies go out of business. Yes. What's going to happen now? Any sense of that? I, I would imagine. I don't know. I, you've been talking to more people than I have uh, about. You know, are, are people thinking about calling it quits because of this? It's 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 really an unknown to me at this time. Um, Think it'll it, happen though? I, I think it will. You know, what are you going to do when you you go from having three or four down years where you've lost money, and then you have a one year where you think you're going to make money, and um, and be lucky if you make back even what you lost in the last year or two, and now it's going to crash lower than it's been in twelve years. Um, there comes a point where you say enough is enough. 
um, you know, there, there comes a point where maybe it's smarter to just not milk the cows at all mm-hmm. or plant the crops or whatever, that if you're losing that much money, maybe it's just better off to, to pull the plug. Um, those decisions could happen. And that's a good point, too, for people who aren't aware. Yet our, our local area produces a lot of milk, but a lot of the crops that are grown here in Whatcom County in particular are to grow milk as well. I mean, they're the feed for those cows that are producing that milk. So yeah, what happens with the grass and the corn um, that goes to feed those those animals as herds shrink, if farms go out of business, you know, you, you start extrapolating where this could go and you start to see why the farming community is getting nervous. Well, and that's the, and the challenge I hope we get to a little bit later in the show is that talk about food security mm. and the fact that we've lost a lot of the ability to manufacture the other crops that are out there. You know, that food processing uh, community that was out there dealing with vegetables or whatever it might be, it's gone. You know, it is left for California and Eastern Washington and Mexico. And so someone can say, well, just grow some vegetables. Uh, how? Where are we going to store them? Where are we, how are we going to process them? Um, that's just, it's gone. So, you know, your, your options for other than certain few products is limited too, which creates even more challenge. This is The Farming Show on KGMI News Talk 790. I am Dylan Honkoop. We're talking with Whatcom Family Farmers Executive Director Fred Lickle, who's joining me here on the program. Of course, I work for Whatcom Family Farmers as well as as Save Family Farming, uh, our statewide effort to uh, share with the public what's going on in the farming world on on a variety of levels. Uh, Of course, here this morning talking about the impacts and the projections and the concerns about the future with what's happening with COVID-19 as our economy is essentially in some ways shut down right now. People are still eating. And and I know that was the talk at the beginning. It's like, well, hey, people still got to eat. And that's true. It's not like all food consumption is going to stop. And but the situation is changing a lot of what is needed and where it's needed and the timing and the distribution chain. I mean, that's been the biggest thing with the panic buying and now panic buying is slowing down again. It, it, it's upending the whole system. Do you think some people have talked about silver linings in this? It's hard to see that though. When you look at the, the dairy situation right now, do you think there could be any good that comes out of this for the dairy community? Oh boy. You know, there's, there's always, you know, you hate to say it, but there's always opportunities in crisis, right? Mm. So you, you always look for that, and I, I think for me, it's a, it's 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 more that bigger long-term one of uh, people taking the time to take a look at what it mean, what farming means for the community as a whole, and the importance that it's um, that it is there, and it's working and it's viable. Uh, I'm I'm already you know had a few discussions over this week with some of the connections I have in the. Uh, the environmental community and the, you know, the Bellinghams and the Seattles and their their eyes are getting opened to some of mm. these discussions. So it's 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 going to be. I think that's where to me some of the biggest opportunities lie. Is uh, how can we get folks to understand the importance of farming, and how can we work to make it more viable? Challenging as it is, at least if we can start having those discussions, that'll be good. 
I know with the, you know, we, we were talking just a minute ago about the changes in the local dairy community and farms already, even before COVID really took off and, and became the crisis that it is, you know, some folks were going out of business and, and we had a conversation um, here on the program with uh, Ashton Bean Blossom, RTJ farm, the, the choker family out there making the hard decision to, to get out. That whole situation has upended as well with, you know, producers who have certain quota through the co-op and that's been bought and sold and moved around and things have changed there. There are going to be some people who are really struggling because of decisions that were made before we realized this tidal wave of economic change was headed our way too, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, well, let's just say farmers bought some, um, you didn't see it too much here, but let's just say they sold it to folks in Eastern Washington who might've been, as they've known as, as over quota. And they bought some, they would say they were producing milk, um, at four or $5 under what they, cause that's what they were paying for what was known as, uh, you know, under quota milk mm-hmm. or over quota milk, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and now th- uh, those folks are now, um, they've ended up buying quota Paying a and lot of money for paying it. Paying a lot of money for it. And they're now having to produce milk at the price that they were trying to get away from literally two months ago. And they're feeling like, why did I, yeah. I mean, spend that, you know, in quote unquote, invest that money to really feel like probably right now get nowhere. Literally millions of dollars that mm. that in, within two months, that's just, it, it's all disappeared. Now, will that come back? We don't know. But again, this creates huge risks. Um uh, and in the dairy yeah. community, there have also been farms that were also getting ready to sell, saying this might be the right time, but yes. hadn't gone through with it yet, like RTJ, like the chokers out there and, and a few others that had already done that. Yeah. Now their opportunity to make that move is gone as it well. It may be. It may be. You know, you, you, you don't know because, yeah, a farm over there would probably understandably go, well, uh, I really don't necessarily need to buy this now. Or maybe I'm looking for an opportunity, and the, and the opportunity is that, that that quota that they had out there that they were paying for is much going to be much cheaper, which means that someone who's selling it obviously is getting much less. So it, it's, it's all these trickle-down effects that really, really hit things. So This is the Farming Show here on KGMI. Again, talking with Fred Lickle, Executive Director of Whatcom Family Farmers. I'm Dylan Honkoop here, the host of the show, and work for in communications, et cetera, jack of all trades uh, for Whatcom Family Farmers. It's scary. Uh, it's, it's, there's so many unknowns, but we did just want to have this conversation this morning to share at least what we're hearing. I know people are curious, what, what's this going to mean for our food supply? What's this going to mean for our farming neighbors and, and our farming economy locally? We've got more coming up. We talked a lot about all, some of the different things that we know about affecting the, the dairy community right now. I want to share a little bit what we've been hearing about the fruit community, because we know here locally that's very big as well, raspberries and blueberries, etc. Those folks are facing some interesting questions right now as well. Uh, seed potatoes are another big local crop. That market has some monkey wrenches being thrown at it with the COVID situation as well right now. So I want to get into that as we continue here. Um, stay with us. We've got a timeout for news. And then Fred and I will be back here on the show to share more uh, with you what we've been hearing, uh, what some of the speculation is right now about the impact of all of this on our local farming community. Stay with us. 
COVID-19 is changing our world. I think all of us feel that right now. People not going to work. Maybe people at this point already here in our own community uh, having to claim unemployment, not sure about what their future holds, trying to protect their family, uh, not going out, trying to avoid going stir crazy with quarantines happening. We where more and more of us are, are hearing about friends and family uh, who have gotten sick with this virus. Uh, even some in our community who have experienced or connected with someone who has experienced a, a death in their, their friends and family network because of this. It's, it's all very scary. And this morning here on The Farming Show, we're, we're looking at what is the impact, at least what we know. It's changing every day, the things that we're hearing. But what is the impact on the farming community here in Whatcom County, in Skagit County, the Pacific Northwest, and really across the country and across the globe? So many things are changing, just like in a lot of other um, you know, financial markets, a lot of different economies, same thing in agriculture. There are a lot of unexpected, unforeseen um, changes to, to what's happening. A lot of uncertainty uh, right now. Fred Lickle, Executive Director with uh, Watkin Family Farmers, is on the program with me here this morning. Dylan Honkoop with you here as we continue on your Saturday morning on KGMI. Um, Fred, you know, we talked a lot about, uh, the dairy community. And if, if you're just joining us, by the way, you can catch the first segment, uh, on SoundCloud anytime. We'll be posting it right after we're done with the program here, uh, this morning. Uh, just look for Save Family Farming, the Save Family Farming show on SoundCloud. So if you missed it, you can catch our first half there. We talked about the dairy community and some of the crazy things going on, people dumping milk, the market kind of crashing. Uh, a lot of uncertainty there. We've also been hearing some things with the local fruit community, the the berries, the raspberries and blueberries. That's my background. You grew yeah. up on a on a dairy farm. I grew up on a raspberry farm. Yep, that's that's. I've been hearing some interesting stuff, but I know you've got yeah. some inside well, scoop there. What have you been hearing there? We have been hearing both you and I in some of the conversations from folks in that community that a lot of their product that is a fr- most of the the fruit that's grown here locally is frozen, so it's mm-hmm. a year round supply because it's frozen. Um, it's been flying off the warehouse shelves, or it's probably not shelves. It's probably pallets and <laughs> stacks of pallets, three or four high in cold storage. But it's been moving out like crazy. Like toilet paper. It's uh, just been going. Well, <laughs> you can only hope to. You imagine being in the toilet paper business yeah, right now. That would be one to be in. Those, yeah. those are the only people cutting a fat hog right now. I suppose. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, it, we've been hearing that. And I wasn't sure, and I, I mentioned this in the past, in recent weeks here on the program, I wasn't sure what would happen. I was worried that, that a lot of that wouldn't move because fruit isn't a staple like milk. Um, and people certainly would, are, have been buying their milk and bread and meat with the, all the panic buying, the, that phenomenon that occurred, and now seems to be slowing down. But I was encouraged, I guess, for the local fruit farmers and markets that, that they were selling a lot of fruit as well. Hey, people going to the grocery store more, stop up on their bags of, you know, triple berry blend at Costco or whatever it might be that directly helps our, our local markets and our local growers. Um, interesting to see when that happens, though, it leaves a big question mark. How long is that going to last? Yeah. I, we, can we count on that? What do we expect? Harvest is still months away. Do we know? Is the season going to be good or is it not going to Normally we're talking about, well, we don't know what the weather's going to be during the season. That could be good or bad. Generally, we have kind of an idea if the market is 
okay or not okay going into the season, but you never really know until you're in it. With this COVID situation, total unknown. And there's sound that you've been hearing as well, and we've been talking, you and I, Fred, about, you know, things could go big or go bust. Oh, get, yeah. Yeah, the, right now. With fruit markets. Great. Yeah. I mean... In the short term, like you said, fruit is flying off the shelves. There's products um, that maybe didn't sell as great before that all of a sudden are selling really well. Um, And a lot of that is because of that panic buying. But then if you look further out, um, those market situations are still there. And then if people have been panic buying and they've been saying hoarding a frozen product, is the market going to disappear? And I know... I heard some things I think you did as well about what's happening with the export markets. Mm -hmm. Um, That causes some real challenges potentially there too. Particularly fruit. I mean, uh, dairy is a global market as well, but our our local fruit products, the raspberries and blueberries, that is such a global market and so affected by things that happen in Chile, in Mexico, in Eastern Europe, and other parts of the globe. Those are kind of the big areas and here in Whatcom County. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of an unknown because we sell a lot of product down in there, but at the same time at different times of the year or depending on who's having a good season or bad season or can bring stuff for higher or lower prices, we also import that fruit too. Yes. So so international markets being sluggish or even closed down could potentially cut either way for yeah. local fruit markets. Yeah, absolutely. If that other fruit can't come in yeah. and suddenly domestic buyers are having to buy that, which we always are encouraging them to yes. do anyway, buy USA, buy American grown mm-hmm. fruit, veggies, anything. But if you're competing against, for instance, a frozen product and um, those maybe those, those companies would be shipping in fresh product right now, fresh raspberries, fresh blueberries, whatever it might be from, from warmer climates that maybe you can, you know, can work ahead. Well, they can't ship them in right now. So what if they're freezing them? And yeah. our products are also, what is it, 90% frozen mm-hmm. here in, in Whatcom County for raspberries and, and blueberries? So you, all of a sudden, your those prices could go completely downstairs. Well, that gets, that gets at the raspberry, particularly in red raspberries, the market crisis that happened, what, a year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. And we talked a lot about that on this program as well at that time, you know, farmers not knowing what to do, no home for their fruit um, because prices were so depressed, people weren't even interested in buying it. Um, and part of the speculation at that time was that it had to do with all of the fresh red raspberries that were grown in Mexico. And that's what you're talking mm-hmm. about here, particularly Mexico. They're producing a lot of fresh, which doesn't directly compete with a frozen red raspberry. Yes. But what they had been doing at that time and what local growers were frustrated about, and I believe they're still looking into potential legal action, uh, international you know, trade action on dumping, when the, when the growers and the companies growing in Mexico would have a surplus, they would be diverting that surplus into the frozen market at an incredibly low price because it was just extra to them. They didn't they weren't too worried about, you know, if they didn't get very much for it, flooding that market, depressing prices for our local growers. So the question is now with this COVID situation, what happens to that? And at first, and maybe it's just because I'm not very bright, at first I thought, well, maybe this could be a great opportunity. Let's say fruit can't be coming in from Mexico, 
Um, that means American growers are going to have more market that they need to fill with their product. But you're pointing out, you know, if a lot of that fruit that came in from Mexico is fresh, they can't ship that into the U.S. now the way that they had been as right. fresh fruit. Like you're just saying, maybe they're diverting more or all of that product into a frozen format and suddenly the Directly frozen competing. market is beyond like <laughs> saturated you yep. know it's beyond saturated doubly yeah. saturated from where it was even in market crisis conditions two years yeah. ago so once again you're creating an atmosphere where what do we do for the farmers right what, what, what do we do because they had literally reached a point last year if some of them were leaving fruit out in the fields because they didn't feel like they had a market What's that going to look like in two or three months? It's going to be, yeah, like, well, it, it could creates depend a lot of uncertainty. On which borders are open? Which trade deals are actually functioning? Mm -hmm. Which ports are accepting stuff from the U.S.? And which you, you know, which countries were accepting imports from? Well, and, and you actually bring up another challenge that I, I, I hadn't thought of until till just now, really, too, is, is you talked about they're taking action. That action comes basically through lawsuits and through the government. Well, I'm seeing in, in my work, like much like probably everybody else out there is right now, mm -hmm. that all of that work has been slowed way down. Um, yep. Folks, some folks in government are just completely and understandably totally caught up in this crisis. And that's all that they're talking about. Others are, of course, challenged to even have meetings, yep. as many of us are. I'm sure the rest of you out there have had more Zoom meetings. I didn't even know what Zoom was until a couple <laughs> months ago. And now I feel like I'm an expert at that yeah. thing. So uh, I wouldn't go that far, Fred, because yeah. I have been on a few Zoom <laughs> yeah, meetings true. with you. Yeah, you're, you're, you're coming along, you know, but you've got a ways to go. We, we get over your, 50 and we get a little technologically challenged. But mastery, hey, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost becoming part of our culture now because that's it what, is. Can you imagine? Some someone should produce a graph of the traffic via Zoom.us. Oh, I wish that had gotten in on the ground floor on that one. Toilet paper, big toilet paper, and Zoom. And there we go. <laughs> You'd be set right now. That's right. Uh, we were talking about red raspberries mostly. Have you heard much about blueberries? I haven't other than generally that That's market. That's I've heard the same thing, yeah. That, yeah, and generally that market had been a bit better than red raspberries over the past couple of years, but on the downward trend yes, also looking, as production yeah. is catching up with demand. Yes, and it was looking concerning long term. There was there was some gloomy pictures out there. Now, their product was flying off the shelves too, mm -hmm. but they also have big concerns with what does this mean same same thing as the as that berry market is the raspberry market is mm -hmm. what happens with exports we really don't know at this point this is the farming show here on kgmi i'm dylan honkoop uh my boss executive director of whatcom family farmers fred lickle is with us here this morning we're just kind of covering sharing with you what we're hearing and what you know any of these little snippets at this point you i'm always trying to get farmers on the show but we realized this morning you know farmers are just trying to hang on for dear life in some cases right now and figure out which end is up and what they should be they're doing a, they're to, a little tense right now yeah understandably uh, as you as as everyone is yes. right now. Um, so I, I just, that's why we decided we're just going to share with you some of the things that we've been hearing um, and even some of the speculation. Again, none of, none of these things that we're talking about are for sure. It's mm -hmm. just kind of what the speculation is, but what else do you have to make decisions on about? You know, right now we're get, coming into planting season. Right. Here I locally. A, had a, a potato farmer in uh, talking to a couple of days ago who had brought up, you know, moving it into potatoes. He was, 
uh, talking about the concerns that they have. I, you don't even, I don't, it's one of those things you don't even necessarily think about. But with all the food service set, uh, shutting down, a lot of their market went to French fries. What's pretty much disappeared? French fries. Mm. So People we don't have, make French fries at home. No, they don't do that really. So what what happens with the, the seed potato, uh, which is what most of Whatcom County is? Well, they're growing potatoes, of course, so that somebody else can plant them and then grow the potatoes. Well, with everything that's happened in the last month, the potato planting is just getting started, like in eastern Washington, for instance. We'll use that as an example. Oh, I understand this is nationwide as well. Well, those potato growers over there, um, they're, re- they're reducing their acreage by 25%. He was telling me there's one guy that plants 100,000 acres, and he told his, you know, the people who grow for him, we're only doing 75,000. Mm. So those acres are sitting uh, you know, vacant, most likely, for this year. Um, what happens for the seed potato growers then is that's a trickle-down effect. Mm-hmm. They have to look at it and say, okay, maybe we sold the seed already for this year, but what do we plant for next year? Yeah. We, and and there's no like government program to take over and buy seed potatoes for a certain amount of price. If you grow them and they don't need them, you get zip, and you've just put in a whole bunch of money into growing these things. So there's huge <laughs> questions for them as they go into this next month or so when they're planting potatoes, how many do we plant? We're not quite sure. Uh, that, of course, then has trickle-down effects all the way through to the next year. Um, and to the rest of our local economy, mind you. If yes. they're planting less and and potentially also if they don't know how much to plant, maybe they misjudge and end up, and I don't, I'm not wishing this on them at all, but the concern is what if they end up losing a bunch of money this coming season because the seed, and just as an FYI, Virtually all of the potatoes uh, here in Whatcom County are grown for seed, which is the same exact potato that you eat, but they just take the potato and plant them or cut them up and plant them. If anybody's growing they're potatoes, an ex- they're in, in an there. exclusive zone here, correct? But yeah, we're in an yeah. exclusive uh, seed potato growing zone. But if they, again, if they misjudge that and end up with extra potatoes that they can't sell, they've spent a bunch of money on that planting and, you know, the investment and the inputs in that field, and it's all for nothing, that trickles down then to, well, the tractor dealerships, the equipment dealerships, the... The bank, the local banks that that finance their operation. And then from there on out, the places they spend their money in the local economy. Uh, That's why it's going to touch more than just the farmers themselves if some of these bad things happen. Yes. And just like anybody else, when, when, when everybody is stressed, we're probably all out there doing that. There's a bunch of people out there going, okay... Maybe I'm unemployed, on unemployment now, or maybe I might be unemployed. What does that mean for my paycheck? Well, maybe I'd better hunker down. Maybe I'd better not go out to eat. Of course, we're not even be able to go out to eat right now. But I'm, right. you know, I talked to somebody here in the office who said um, I'm going through like a quarter of the amount of gas that I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything shrinks in the economy, and that makes it, it just brings the economy to a grinding halt. I'm not an economist, but you can certainly see how this starts working when you start talking and looking at the effects down the line on things. Fred Lickle, Executive Director of Watkin Family Farmers, is on the program with us this morning. Dylan Honkoop here on The Farming Show on KGMI. Um, Thinking about those potatoes, you know, if a bunch of potatoes aren't able to be sold as seed, I mean, they're still very edible and very good. I've eaten quite a few of our local growers' potatoes, and they're delicious. Is there a chance maybe we could, I don't know, how many potatoes can we eat here? Probably not nearly enough to put a dent in the amount that they're able to produce for seed. Well, and now you're starting to get into that food security discussion um, that we mentioned at the beginning of the the previous section, and that, that really leads to some interesting discussions. 
elections, doesn't it? Um, you know, there is a movement, which I think we're all, you know, certainly really happy to see happening of, of uh, getting our, our, how can we get more local food grown here? Mm-hmm. Um, I had some good discussions with folks in, in leadership positions and folks that are really interested in this in Bellingham. But, but I also noticed that uh, what comes out of this is, you know, as I, and I know you were in that call as well, as we sit down and start to discuss this incredible interconnectivity of our, of our economy and our marketplace as it relates to food, just as it relates to all these other products that we've been talking about, it brings up the immense challenge of this. It's not just so easy, is it, Dylan, to just say, well, you know, hey, we need some more Brussels sprouts growing. Well, just have a guy go plant 10 acres. <laughs> What's the big deal? Doesn't work that way, does it, Dylan? Yeah. yeah and, and we kind of explored that with some of these calls that both you and I were on. Just so people know, there's a lot of this talk going on behind the scenes and people trying to figure out what can be done. I think a lot of it started once the public was seeing empty shelves because people aren't used to that. I mean, that is not the America that <laughs> the modern you know, United States resident is used to. It's been eons right. since that ever happened. Now, does that mean there's not food available currently? No, there's lots of food available. It was just the system wasn't geared up to be able to get it on the shelves quickly enough. And that's where we're seeing that panic buying slowing down and the shelves restocking. But there are still some empty spots in the shelves out there, definitely. Um, But that's what gets people thinking about it. And they start thinking, well, if we're relying on food, whatever, you fill in the category, whether it's your bread, your meat, your milk, your berries, your whatever... If that's not here, well, we can grow that locally. How could suddenly there's this new focus on producing food here in our community? That can be a good thing. But like you're saying, it gives an opportunity to discuss some of the challenges, why that isn't already happening. Yes, I remember, you know, we've had some good discussions with people and, and, you know, explaining how, look, um, it's that has happened for a reason. Um, You know, there used to be vegetables grown in this county. Um, It was it was a really cool thing. I remember that as a kid, seeing some of those, you know, those planters going around and the harvest equipment. But that's gone. And it's gone for a reason. And that is because um, everything is is it can be produced so much cheaper in another place. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of market that we have. So there's no processing facility, no cannery here to can or freeze frozen vegetables, for instance. So the the local market can only eat so much fresh when it's in season. Any given thing is probably only going to be fresh for a few weeks or maybe a month or so. Mm-hmm. So if you want to have that local food year round, you've got to figure out a way to can it or freeze it. We don't have the infrastructure to do that anymore. Well, we don't have the harvesting and planting equipment necessarily to tend it. That could be purchased, but it costs a lot of money. And we don't have the labor to help make all this stuff happen as well. And and it, it also leads to just some really interesting discussions of how totally not connected the, the general public is and their mm-hmm. complete lack of understanding. I heard a story coming out of further sna- further south and more the Snohomish area, how someone who was actually growing fresh fruits and vegetables um, has had their orders through their CSA, what is referred to, just go off the wall. And then people calling and being upset because why can't I get fresh strawberries? Without even understanding that, look, the fresh strawberries aren't ready for at least another two months. Well, you're a farmer; they should be ready right now. So, you wow. know, our you know our community as a whole has become because of the way we've set up our system has become so disconnected to food. They don't even understand. I've always chuckled about those who say we should only be eating our local food. Um, are you saying that while you go to your Starbucks in the morning? Because mm, guess what? I can't point. see any coffee being grown here yeah, in Whatcom County. We really, all enjoy really the benefits. 
of right. being able to have a global economy. So while growing local is important and we want to have that discussion, there also needs to be that understanding of what of, of how our economy works and how this looks. I'd say this whole conversation is a to be continued. We're out of time. Fred Lickel, uh, Executive Director, Whatcom Family Farmers, uh, with me here on the program uh, on the Farming Show on KGMI. Thanks for, for being here this morning. And uh, obviously, we're going to be talking about this a lot more in the office, and we may have to report back here soon some of the things that we said are changing or aren't true or worse than we thought. We, we, we just don't know at this point. <laughs> Thank so. you so much for having me, Dylan. It's great to be here.